Coming up on today's Locked on Diamondbacks podcast, the Carlos Correa saga is finally over. So what does it mean for the Minnesota Twins and their chances of maybe winning a World Series in the near future? And what the hell is going on with the Boston Red Sox? They signed Devers, but now Trevor's story is gone. Breaking all this down and so much more with Sully Baseball on today's Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. You are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey! How you doing, everyone? I just was singing Depeche Mode, and I realized uh, Miller Thomas had hit record. We don't have the rights to do Depeche Mode. No, mm-hmm. but we do have the right to talk about Major League Baseball. This is yet another crossover with Locked On Diamondbacks and Locked On MLB. Buckle up, buttercups. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Locked On MLB, Locked On Diamondbacks crossover. This is once a week we get together. Miller Thomas and I get together to talk about the world of baseball exclusively through the lens of the Arizona Diamondbacks fan and through the lens of all 29 other franchises. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. If you don't believe me, check out my lower third. It says Sully. I am an Emmy-nominated television producer who has been podcasting for over a decade about baseball and now for five years here as a member of the Lockdown Podcast Network. And once a week... This Bajakaloop over here is my co-host. Bajakaloop, why don't you please tell people who you are? Yeah, Miller Thomas, host of Locked on Diamondbacks. We had to push it back a little bit, our normally scheduled times because of conflict mm-hmm. of interest between our schedules. But we're here now. You can follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for the personal account course, or just look up Locked on Diamondbacks, Twitter, Instagram for the show handle. And of course, please hit subscribe on the Locked on Diamondbacks YouTube channel. I had a complaint, by the way, Miller Thomas, that someone was saying that that uh, when you were on, it was obviously it was a Dodger fan, that you were on, that you were biased against the Dodgers. And um, and I said, well, he's the host of Locked Up yeah. Diamondbacks. What do you expect him to be doing? Be to be jumping up and down, saying I bleed Dodger blue? Uh, yeah. I, I got I got to make something clear here. Um, I am the host of Locked On MLB. I'm a native New Englander. I have made no bones about the fact that I've grown up a huge Red Sox fan, and I am not going to pretend that I don't have rooting interests. Miller Thomas is the host of freaking Locked On Diamondbacks, not Locked On I Love the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. All right? Yeah. Yeah, sorry. I, I, I wanted the team that wins the division every year to lose in the first round of the playoffs. I apologize for that. But also keep in mind something here, and this is something I'm always trying to stress with my show, and I think you come across as well. While we may have our personal rooting interests, uh, I don't think that's going to affect any discussion of reality. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to come on and say the Dodgers stink. You're not going to say the that, you know, I'm not going to come on and say that the Red Sox are on pace to win 112 games and sweep the World Series. We're going to deal in reality. You know, just because you're not just because you have biases doesn't mean you cannot discuss things in terms of uh, in terms of reality and terms of having a point of view of it. I will praise the Yankees and I will trash the Red Sox when need be. And if you don't believe me, 
you're going to love today's episode. Um, but we're going to be talking a little bit about, um, well, the disaster that continues for the Red Sox this offseason. The Marlins and the Dodgers made a couple of interesting moves that I think uh, have some long-term ramifications. And uh, we talked. I talked with Ryan Finkelstein yesterday's episode about the Mets implication with the being in and out of the Carlos Correa uh, signing. But Miller and I are going to be talking about it in general, what this mm-hmm. means and his signing with Minnesota and uh, what, the, what it means for the division and what it means for the Mets, Phillies, and Braves, the three main teams in the um, National League East. So how you doing, Miller? What's up with you? You know, I'm doing good, Sully. Just soaking in this offseason day by day. We've been waiting for this Carlos Correa fiasco saga to end. We thought, I I thought at least maybe he was going to stay with the Mets because Stephen Cohen, I felt like he's a guy. Yeah, there's some risks and some injury with Carlos Correa, but I thought they would have just restructured that contract, make it more incentive-based because because a guy like Stephen Cohen is not going to let a play of Carlos Correa's caliber just walk out the building and we can add him to the lineup and still be, I'm guessing, elite for the next few years i don't think his knee's just gonna i don't i haven't seen the physical but i'm assuming his knee's not gonna just give up and give out on him over the next couple seasons well i actually happen to have his uh his physical right here i have it oh. just take a look and i why they didn't ask me uh it turns out he's sick um what's the, yeah, what's I mean, the issue with him what, what's he, the prognosis he, uh you know he's 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 hurt but oh, um man. Yeah, I made the point, you and I talked about this, that one thing we learned from the signings of Bryce Harper and the signings of uh, Manny Machado is when you have a chance to sign a potential Hall of Fame talent still in their prime, you do it. And the great thing, if you're a Met fan, you know, Steve Cohen's doing what you want every owner to do, which is. I'm sitting on, to paraphrase Jackie Cation, a Scrooge McDuck pile of money, and I'm going to have fun signing players and doing all the things that you want to. I've had generations of Met fans complaining that the Mets don't go all in on this and don't go all in on that. Well, now they went all in, and they're doing what every fan base would want to see their owners do. And I'm sure he thought, I mean, it may have been a little bit of overkill whether or not to bring in Correa, but... It was like, okay, fine, now we're doing it. We're bringing him in. Um, he's going back to Minnesota, which I – I, it's funny. I had predicted he was going to go to Baltimore. I thought Baltimore was okay. a great landing spot for him, especially for a team that had a surprise winning season after all those years of irrelevance. They were completely irrelevant every year since Juan Encarnacion hit that home run off of Ubaldo Jimenez while um, – uh, what's his doodle? Um Mm. Uh, Zach Britton was mm. reading uh, Bazooka Joe bubblegum cards in the uh, uh, in the bullpen not being used. Well, the Orioles have finally become relevant again. And I thought this was the offseason, especially with their bargain basement payroll to say, hey, we had a winning season last year. But there's a little bit of anger from the fan base because they traded away Lopez and they traded away Mancini at the trade deadline instead of adding. So why don't we sign a big time free agent to tell our fans, no, 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 no. Winning time has begun here. And I thought because they also have a giant hole at shortstop, I thought Correa would be perfect. And every time he kept going back into free agency, first with San Francisco, 
first of all, he began free agency. Then the he, the Giants deal fell through. The Mets deal fell, fell through. I kept thinking, Orioles, come out and play, as I make yet another completely dated reference. <laughs> and um, alas, he went back to the Twins. And I, I, I found that to be surprising, but he apparently fit in very well with Minnesota. So I guess it, it, it worked out well for all parties. Yeah, a lot of charades just for Carlos Correa to end up back on the same team, which was the Minnesota Twins. And I, I don't really know what that does for the Twins going forward. Like, I don't look at them as like a more dangerous team, at least in the short term. But I think long term, this helps the, the, the Twins a lot because it just adds a level of credibility when you have a, a player of Carlos Correa's caliber now in your lineup every day locked in for six years i think it's going to be a little bit easier now for the twins to maybe attract free agents maybe they get a little bit more aggressive on the trade market because now you're like i got this building block i got this foundational piece for the near future he's in his prime we know the physicals aren't great on carlos correa so now it's like if you're the twins you kind of have to go all in over the next what three to four years to really build a contender with the correas and i don't know the byron bucks of the world because this minnesota twins team like we don't know the physicals of Korea. We've seen Byron Bucks in the last few years on and off the field with injuries. Like this Twins team in the lineup has talent, but also has a lot of combustible pieces when you look at it from a health standpoint of the Buxons and Koreas. And I still look at that rotation of the Twins. I'm not in love with it. I like Joe Ryan from last year, but when you have a rotation led by Dylan Bundys and the Chris Archers of the world, I'm just not going to take you that serious. So I think the, the window has opened up a little bit for the Twins to get aggressive now that they have Carlos Correa in the building, but they have to be careful because a lot of their main stars in that lineup are very injury prone, which can cause some risks down the line. Um, here's here's some of the things to be positive if you're a Minnesota Twin fan. Um, first and foremost, remember this team, yes, they had a disastrous final couple of months, but they were in first place by themselves for a gigantic chunk of the last year. Going into August, they had they were in first place by themselves for most of the year. And they wound up tying Cleveland with about the day before Labor Day. They were tied for first place. They were tied for first place in September. And so what happened was the Guardians beat the tar out of them every time they played each other, and they had a bad final three weeks. If they had a good three weeks, they would have won the division. All right? Also, this is the, the best thing that is going in their favor is the fact that they play in the American League Central. Yes, yeah. Cleveland had a very good team last year, a very young team, and that could and, and that played a little bit over their heads um, with a bargain basement payroll. Uh, I think Cleveland looks like a very good team, but remember going into last year, everybody and their cow were picking the White Sox, you know. And so if you go yeah. in every year, oh, everyone their cow is going to pick Cleveland this year. The the White Sox looked like they were poised to win the division for the next two or three years in a row. Now it helped the fact that the late Tony LaRussa was managing the team and not doing a very good job of it. They finished the season at, at, at a break even 500. But as I said, this was a team, this twins team was a month away from winning a division. And so 
And they were very good in the truncated 2020 season. They were good in the night. They've been having playoff teams recently. I do think there's talent on this team and it's a very winnable division. 89 wins could probably win the division. Yeah. You have a a player like Correa at the heart of this. I do think that they're, they're going to do well. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest selling points of bringing Correa back is the fact that this division is so wide open. There's no Houston Astros in this division. There's no Yankees. This is not the NLS. This is not the NL East. Like, you pretty much look at every division in baseball. They got two or three teams where you're like, okay, uh, if they win the World Series at the end of the year, I'm not going to be surprised. But the AL Central might be the only division in baseball where if any of those teams win the World Series this next coming season, I probably will be a little bit shocked. And on this podcast, we always talk about big market versus small market, right? The Minnesota Twins just proved once again, if you are willing to pay the bag to someone, you can get a franchise start in the building. There's no such thing as small market teams. Baseball players just care about money. Look at Carlos Correa's saga. He went to the Giants because they were going to give him the most money over the long haul. He didn't pass that physical. He went to the Mets. They were the next team offering him the bag. He didn't pass that physical. So now he's back in Minnesota because Minnesota was like, you know what? We can't give you 10 to 12 years, Carlos Correa. We can't incur that kind of risk, but we will overpay you for just six years, the best years of your prime. And guess what? If Carlos Correa's knee is still holding up six years from now, he can get paid again. This is what I want baseball players to do. Sign these short-term deals where you get overpaid like the Max Scherzer of the world. Just sign a four-year deal where you get $35 million a year. And then you could do that three or four more – well, maybe not four more times. We could do that maybe two or three more times uh, if you're entering the, your you know free agency late in your 20s. So I want – baseball players to take a, a model from the NBA, do what LeBron's doing, do these short-term deals where you get a fat contract for the short-term, then you could keep re-upping over and over again and make more money in your career over the long haul. I know baseball players love that long-term security, but once again, you're playing baseball. It's one of the safest sports you could play out there. Well, and also, I I think the notion that, that Minneapolis is a small market is ridiculous. Mm. I mean, just in terms of the size of the city, it's gigantic. The amount of corporate money and everything like that in minnesota is huge um i think it's it's crazy and i think that this is a this is a real treat for their fans that they say all right this was a team that there were you know a generation ago there was talking about contraction and now they've got this great stadium they can sign big time players they can have an eye and possibly getting back to the world series since 1991 first time and what a treat, that, just a delicious treat that would be for all Minnesota fans. But if you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and the calories, then you got to have a Built Bar. Just we made it through the holidays, and everyone's goal is to be a little bit healthier. If you're like me, you want to eat healthier, but you don't want to compromise taste, then, man, I've got the best thing for you. got to try Built. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious, you won't think that they're good for you. Perfect for your new New Year's resolution. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right. You heard me right. Don't bother adjusting your earbuds. Real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. And now you don't have to wait around to get a box. Remember, Miller, we would get our boxes of Built Bars so great? Oh, well, yeah. for years... We've been talking about ordering Built Bars at Built.com. You can still do that if you want. I'm not going to stop you. But now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your local Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy. Bang on it. Say, hey, 
Built Bars now, and they'll point you to where they are. I said, thank you very much. You grab a box of them. Pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. If you're close to a Sam's Club, grab a 13-bar box and great flavors, brownie batter, churro. You can thank me later. Or go to Built.com. I'm not, who am I to tell you how to live your life? All I need to tell you is it's time for you to get some Built Bars. And so let's sing that jingle again. Built Bars, they're still good. We're here uh, with Miller Thomas, and we just sang the praises of Minnesota being aggressive and bringing back a terrific talent. Mm-hmm. And let's uh, show that I can be unbiased and trash the Boston Red Sox. Ooh. <clears throat> you know, I mean, I have a hard time completely trashing an ownership that has delivered four World Series titles, one being a little woo-woo-y in 2018. Okay, three controversy free titles and one controversy filled title fine um that's not what we were thinking about before 2004 okay i got that out of the way for those of you thinking i'm ungrateful um you can't bungle these last bunch of months more the only positive thing was the signing of Raphael devers and I absolutely believe that was done because they realized that people were about to burn Fenway park to the ground and this coming off of losing Xander Bogarts, homegrown World Series hero, Xander Bogarts, to San Diego, who suddenly can outspend the Red Sox. And they had the backup plan. Well, they signed Trevor Story last year, just in case. So at least they know they got Trevor Story to fill in. Oh, wait. Trevor Story is going to have shoulder surgery that could put his 2023 season in jeopardy. So, um, they may not have Bogarts or <laughs> Story, and uh, they may have one of the weakest outfields I can imagine. And oh yeah, they called me yesterday, seeing if I could do some spot starts. Uh, could this be a ninety-loss team we're looking at? Well, they did address some bullpen concerns, Sully. Don't forget, they signed Hanley Jensen this offseason, so they have oh, addressed God. the bullpen a little bit. Boy, oh boy, if you're waiting to have someone blow big games and be hated in Boston, that, write that in ink. Write that in ink, that Kenley Jansen is going to blow some huge games and become, uh, you know, just Calvin Schiraldi 2.0. I, I'm just, I'm not for that. I, I saw enough games in L.A., of him blowing this game or that game or this game or that game. If he held on to the lead in game two of the 2017 World Series, the garbage can thing wouldn't even be an issue. I digress. Yeah. Yeah, that, that one's going to be interesting when he's out there on the mound. It's going to feel a little Craig Kimberlish in 2018 World Series when he's out there on the mound. But for the Red Sox, I mean, it's really incredible what they've been able to do since their 2018 World Series with the ability for to just – lose trust from their fans because if you think about what they did from 04 to 2018 like you said four world series after doing nothing pre that you had that whole babe ruth curse you finally break the curse in 04 and then over from 04 to 2018 it's the most magical run 
not just Red Sox in Boston history because you had the Patriots and the Celtics were winning a couple titles at that time. And so Boston sports were popping all at the same time. And the Red Sox were at the top of the list with the New England Patriots. And since 2018, you trade away Mookie Betts that we've discussed. You like Xander Bogart's walk. And then you try to tell us that the Trevor stories of the world was going to be plan B in case Bogart's walk. And now it's like, what has happened to this team? Now, I do like the fact that they signed Rafael Devers to that max extension because I do feel like it bides them it bides the ownership group a little bit of time and I think it calms the nerves of the fans down a little bit because if you let because listen we both thought Devers was gone we thought he was going to either walk in free agency or we thought they were going to trade him this season right we thought there was no chance Devers was coming back so now with Devers coming back it's like okay Maybe Boston does have a plan. Maybe we should be a little bit patient, but every other move they make is still so head-scratching. And it's like, how did Trevor Story wait this long in the offseason to get the surgery? I know they said he kind of got hurt as he was ramping up um, to get ready for the season, but wasn't he dealing with like elbow and injury issues like last season? Like, why wasn't this addressed early in the offseason? And now you're going to go through the whole of 2023 with maybe no up-the-middle infielders, and then you look at the Dodgers who just traded for Miguel Rojas. Like, your options are falling off the table. You might have to come to the D-backs to trade for Nick Ahmed. Like, if you're a Boston Red Sox fan, you're going to watch Nick Ahmed play shortstop for you after watching Xander Bogarts over the last decade. Um, I'm sorry, Red Sox fans. They're not the same level of player. So I, I still don't understand the exact direction of this Boston franchise. Signing Devers helps a lot, to be honest. Signing Devers and having him locked up always makes you believe, okay, now we have this foundational piece and we can either flip him for more stuff down the line or we can use him as the main piece to build this whole thing back around because he is an MVP level talent. But this GM, this ownership group, it doesn't seem like they're into winning and spending money anymore. I just don't know what direction they're going to go into. Like you spend money on Devers, maybe it was only because he's like 26 years old and it's easier to rationalize giving him that long-term deal. But you also gave a seven-year deal to Trevor Story who was clearly in the decline and failing starting to fail health wise as well so their their decision making just so questionable it's just hard to trust this red sox franchise which was so rock solid from 04 to 2018 despite always changing their gm like every three seasons it felt like i think one of the things that you you take a look at that great run between 2004 and 2018 there were some valleys certainly 2012 was the worst Mm -hmm. year bobby v the Bobby Veer year was the worst Red Sox year I can ever remember. The great collapse of 2011 was also there, but then they rebounded in 2013. They had rebound. They had rebuilding seasons in 2014, 2015, rattled off three straight divisions, including the questionable world series, you know, and the residue of that led to them almost making the world series in 2021. This would be a very different story. No pun intended. If they had gotten those last two wins against Houston and you know, one in 2021, I think they'd be able to that would buy them a little bit of time. I think one of the things that that makes this different is that other than signing Devers, which just became a uh, a survival mode, I don't see a single move that they've made that have that has improved the team, that has improved the team in the long haul. And the fact that the you know, especially after DFA Jeter Downs. The Mookie Betts trade is officially a whiff. A disaster. Um, it's a disaster. Um, they've let some of their pitchers, they've signed some of their pitchers to long-term deals that were filled with injuries like Eovaldi and Sale. Now Eovaldi is gone. 
and I don't see the right people filling in. And I don't trust Bloom and this current iteration of the front office. I don't trust them to rebuild this team. But that being said, feel free to prove me wrong. I actually don't have an issue if the Red Sox are bad this year. I don't. I don't have an issue if they're bad the next two years. I know that's not that that may not be a popular thing amongst Red Sox fans. I would rather they have a team where they're saying this is this new group of young players that we're developing, and Devers will be the the veteran star, and we have we'll have this anchor in the outfield, this anchor in the infield, this anchor in the rotation, and build around that. And I would rather say, you know, we're aiming for 2025 with that as a goal rather than this reuniting of the 2018 Dodgers on the team. You know, it's like there are more 2018 Red Sox on the Dodgers and there are yeah. more 2018 Dodgers on the Red Sox. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't have faith in this front office to make these decisions and they you know and they certainly haven't shown it in their trades nor in their signings yeah and 2021 was so crazy because like you said they were two games away from the world series and they went into that offseason and didn't improve the team at all you felt like they just needed like two or three bullpen guys maybe one more starter and you could just run back the lineup you probably didn't even have to touch the lineup maybe you wanted a second baseman or a first baseman but you're like one spot starter couple relievers and this team is ready to compete for the world series in 2022 and they did nothing to address those concerns then they enter this offseason they're like hey let's address some of those bullpen concerns but we're gonna let bogarts walk we're going to give up nearly a hundred million dollars to this japanese outfielder that we've never seen like i don't understand how they choose to let mookie Betts, you know trade him away let bogarts walk away in free agency, but then you want to sign Trevor Story to a long-term deal. You want to sign Chris Sale to a mega deal. And maybe Chris Sale was worth a mega deal at the time, but we all know pitchers, you basically can't give them over a four-year deal because anytime you look at pitchers past a four-year contract, like especially when it's those mega deals, like they never live up to it. Always those second half of those deals always turn out bad for those pitchers. And it's even worse than like when you sign a position player to a long-term deal. The shelf life for a high-quality starting pitcher is just a lot shorter than it is for like a Xander Bogart to just sign for a decade-plus with the San Diego Padres. So the fact that you're okay giving that kind of deal to a Chris Sale, knowing all the risks, knowing all the risks of a Trevor Story, and then this Japanese guy, like I hope it works out for him, but he's a big unknown as it currently stands. So you got all those question marks you're handing out money to, but... The, the the Hall of Fame talent that you developed and grew in the Mookie Betts and the Zando Bogarts, you're going to let those guys walk? I think that's the most frustrating part of this whole situation with the Red Sox is the fact that you're signing guys, you're giving some players the, the fat deal who aren't homegrown, who haven't gone through the trials and tribulations with Boston, and then the guys like Mookie Betts and Zando Bogarts who are phenomenal on and off the field, you're going to let go? That is what makes me the most upset thing about this whole Boston Red Sox situation. You see, we're not biased on here. Yeah, that's <laughs> or, fair. Yeah. Or, or, or at least we're objective. We are. We we have a. We can be objective about. I'm this. sweating. I'm getting so heated about this. Nice. That's it for this edition of the Lockdown Diamondbacks podcast. Thank to everyone who tuned into today's podcast. Shout out Sully Baseball of Lockdown MLB. Thank you for making Lockdown Diamondbacks your first listen every day. Go make your second listen of the day, the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast with host Lindsey Crosby because he basically knows 
every prospect in every system from single A to triple A. The man is a walking baseball encyclopedia of prospects. So go check out his podcast. Come back. I think either... I don't even know what day I'm dropping this, so come back later in this week, either Thursday or Friday, for the final podcast of this week. As always, stay safe, stay healthy, deuces.